today we're going to be talking about prayer. And much like meditation, prayer is a really foundational thing that we need to do as Christians, especially when it comes to spiritual formation. It's one of those things that it's really an expectation that uh, God has on us when it comes to growing in faith. Uh, it's not necessarily a command, uh, but it's an expectation that a follower of Jesus has. Um, and this is what Jesus himself says about praying in Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking. He says, when you pray, right? That's an expectation. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, uh, hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, expectation, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will, re re will reward you. When you pray, expectation, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And then He says, pray like this. Expectation. Uh, one theologian said this, prayer is, some, is someone we are with more than something we do. Prayer, which is being with Jesus, is our greatest source of influence. Hey everyone, how's it going today? Woo, lots has changed this week. I just have one question. The question is this, who did it? Who was so mad at winter that they had to come back with the last word before leaving for a while? Hmm? Right? Lots has changed in this last week here in our world, not just weather-wise, but so much else. And so right off the bat here, we are going to be talking about prayer, but I just want to pause and do a little bit of the State of the Union address here for Sea Road and just kind of set us up where we're headed for the next several months, but also in response to just what's happening in our world. Hey, this conflict between Ukraine and Russia, it is devastating on so many levels. Desiree already talked about it here today and how we're, as a church, mobilizing ourselves to partner with what God wants to do in the community and through the community. And it's just a small sliver of what we can do. We're going to partner with Southgate Church uh, through kind of rescuing some people from this space. So we're going to sponsor refugees to come from that space, the Warren Torn area, uh, here to Canada. That is our our move. There's lots of other things that we can do as well, but that's the one that we've chosen as a church family to work alongside our, our friend and sister church, Southgate and Kempville, uh, to partner with. And so we would be delighted if you would choose to work with us in that capacity. The other thing that we can continue to do is pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray that God would save and protect, that God would restore peace, that God would move. If God can erode the hardest of hearts, and we can see that all the way through Scripture. If God can erode the hardest of hearts, God can still do that today. And so we can ask, and we can intercede, and we can pray, and we will have a time together here today where we can pray specifically for the Ukrainian people, the Russian people, everybody involved on a world stage in this conflict. God is still in control. The other thing that's happening more specifically that impacts us as a church family is the removal of restrictions. We've been living in this pandemic state for over two years. And there's lots of questions and there's lots of confusion. I think 
that this is the most important time period for us to be diligent in the way that we choose to love one another. The most important time period. As restrictions ease, as things shift and move, capacity limits, masking, whatever it happens to be, let us be guided forward by our love for one another. Practically, here's what that means. Some of us may choose to continue to wear masks. Let's not mock them. Let's not call them out. Let's not say, hey, you must be filled with fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Let's not use scripture as a weapon. Let's instead use kindness and love. Now, after two years, a lot of us have changed. We've shifted different thought patterns. Some of us have suffered loss. Loss of loved ones, loss of job, loss of income, loss of hope. Let's be kind to one another. And I know it's been a long journey, but to get to this point, we are at a crucial intersection. So let's ensure that we are kind with one another because if we're not, who else is going to lead the way? It's our role. It's our responsibility. It's our opportunity. Let's take full advantage of it to lead with love. Speaking of love, we're going to be talking about prayer, and I've shared this memory with you all before, but I'm going to do it again because it is one of the most vivid moments of memories of prayer in my own life. See, I've got this picture in my brain sitting around my grandparents' kitchen table all with the food on the table. We're, we're hungry, excited as grandkids to dive in and eat the food. But before we did that, we had to pray. And we had to pray not just for the meal. We had to pray for every single family member in our family. As a young nine-year-old boy, all I can think about is putting the bacon into my mouth. I'm not thinking about praying for my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. But meticulously, name by name, my grandmother and my grandfather would work their way through the list. Now that might not seem like an intimidating threshold for you all. My grandparents had four children. Each of them had a, a spouse that made eight. And then they had kids, and there were 13. Okay, do the math. That's a long time for a nine-year-old to wait for bacon. I had a phone call with my grandmother this week, and we were chatting and catching up. And she reminded me of that memory. And even more so, she reminded me that she still does that daily. Four kids, their spouses, 13 grandchildren, over 20 great-grandchildren. By name, every single day, she prays. I'm telling you, that's humbling, that's motivating, that's convicting for a pastor to have their grandmother be that devoted to prayer. Because sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm not. I've got a complicated relationship with prayer. Maybe you can identify with this. I've prayed prayers that weren't answered in the way that I thought they would be. That's hard. I've prayed for people to be saved from death, and yet they still died. I've prayed for people to be healed, and yet they're still struggling. I've prayed for God to bless and yet it doesn't happen. So am I doing something wrong? Are you doing something wrong? Are we doing something wrong? Or is there more to prayer? See, prayer is about connection with a person more than a formula that we follow to create our own preferred 
way forward. And we're going to dive into that chunk of scripture that Jamie already spoke about on that video from Matthew chapter 6. So I want to invite you to take your Bible, open it up. This is the quintessential portion of scripture on prayer that I think is valuable for us to understand. So we're going to immerse ourselves in it, see what we can learn. Matthew chapter 6, if you don't have your Bible in paper form and you have a digital version, just another plug and reminder, you can go on to version Bible app, then click on the more section, the events section, see Road Live. You can have all the content at your thumb or fingertip, however you app your way and navigate through your uh, personal mobile device. Let me read this for us. Let it soak into our bones, into our eyes, into our ears, and let's see what God has for us here today, this morning, starting in verse 5 of chapter 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. Prayer is one of those things that is most interesting because for me, what, what is sobering to remember is that this is like one of the only things that Jesus' closest friends asked him specifically about. Like they witnessed miracles and things that were mind-blowing and yet they wanted to know more about what it meant to pray. So this is one of the interactions that they've had with Jesus around this subject, learning about prayer. And I, I think there's kind of three points that I want to drive home here today for us that will hopefully inspire us in our own prayer journey in some facet. The first is this. Words don't matter as much as motivation or desire does. Words don't matter as much as motivation or desire does. I was thinking about this, and, and you, many of you know that I, I've got five kids, and I got to tell you, when some of them doesn't matter what age that they are, they come and they have something to tell me. Most often, I'm excited. Like sometimes I'm not. Like if they they come and tell me, like, "Hey, Dad, the toilet's plugged again." Like that's not exciting. That's not fun. I still want to know that information. I prefer it would be different information. But I'll tell you. Some of my kids, they don't love to talk. And so some of my most precious moments are not when they share words with me. They just come and sit with me. I might be on the couch reading or watching a TV show, and all of a sudden they'll come sit right with me. And not like on the couch on the other end, like right beside you. They're literally almost sitting on you. They couldn't get any closer, and they say nothing. It's not a trick. It's not a prank. They just... Sit there. And then 
I'll inevitably say, because I'm curious, I'll be like, hey, what are you doing here? Ah, nothing, just want to hang out with you. That's pretty fun when you enjoy that as a parent, when your kid wants to spend time with you, especially when they're a teenager, and they want to hang out with you. It's like, hmm, okay, maybe I'm not a terrible person. When we pray, God wants to hang out with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to get to know every facet of our days. And the crazy thing is, is he already knows it all, but he still wants to hear it from us. He still wants to spend time with us. See all the delicate, intricate, intimate moments. Hear about the challenges. Hear about the triumphs. Hear about that moment that you've been praying for that you got an answer and it surprised you. And sometimes some of us, we, we give up on prayer because we just can't find the words. But the words don't matter as much as the desire does. If we put it into practice, if we make the effort to spend time. You know, it's legit that you could pray like this. God, I don't know how to pray right now, so I'm just going to hang out with you. You can say that, and it's okay. I've been in many different groups of people, and when there'll be a time of prayer, there'll be some people in that group that don't want to pray because they don't feel compelled or well-versed well enough to pray out loud. And it, for some reason, we've turned prayer into this intellectual and spiritual competition where we think that if we, if we say it like this, if we follow this formula, then it's going to make all the difference. And it just doesn't matter. It's not about the words. It's about the desire, the intention, the motivation, the wanting to change. If we could learn to play, pray like that ever increasingly, man, how might that change us? In some way. Take the pressure off. It's okay if I make a mistake when I pray. What name should I call God when I start my prayer? It doesn't matter. Could be daddy, friend. Hey, dude. What's up, bro? That's, that might sound sacrilegious, but you're telling me that God, God is excited to hear from us and interact with us. You don't have to use the same phraseology all the time. You can interact with him. You can focus more on your desire, the motivation behind your prayer. There's a second thing that I think is really important for us to understand. It's slightly connected to what we just talked about, but even more important to understand as we've read through this portion of Matthew chapter 6. See, prayer is personal, it's not a performance. Prayer is personal, it's not a performance. I confess to you, I've had people over the course of my lifetime come up to me when I've uh, conducted a pastoral prayer in a public setting, and, and they'll come and say to me and say, you know what, that, I just love the way that you pray. My heart craters in that moment. I feel like I've made a mistake. It's not about a performance of prayer. <laughs> Man, if, if I pray and somebody sees me, I've done the wrong thing. If you pray and somebody sees you, you you've done the wrong thing. It's, prayer's not about us. It's not a performance. 
It's about God. It's personal. That's why we're instructed. Jesus invites people to not pray in public. He says, you know what? When you, when you really want to get serious, go home, close the door, pray in secret, pour out your heart to God. Some of us, if we're honest, we crave attention. And so we pray or we grieve really loudly so that people can see us, notice us, that the need that we have could be fulfilled and satiated by somebody in our community, but that's only a temporary fix. The need, the desire that we have can only be filled and satiated by the presence of God. And when we're performing in prayer, we get all the accolades of being seen by others, but we miss out on the intimacy and the connection with God. See, our words don't matter as much as our desire because prayer is about this personal connection with God, not a performance, not something that we can get a pat on the back for. Now, it's okay to borrow prayers from those that have gone on before us. In my digital library, I've got this book of prayers that were recorded from a variety of different people, some people that were well-known, some people that are unknown, and they poured out their heart in prayers. So they wrote them out. Sometimes I borrow some of their language in my own personal prayer time with Jesus because it makes an impact and a difference. It draws me closer in my walk with God. It reminds me that I don't have to figure out my own specific language in the moment. I can borrow somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's desires, and I can pray accordingly. One of my mentors reminded me years ago that the book of Psalms is like this prayer book that's untapped, an untapped resource in the Bible. And if you read them, there's 150 of them. There's a lot in there, and they, they run the full spectrum of every sort of emotional reality that you could possibly think of. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Some are written in the middle of tragedy. Some are written in the middle of triumph. And at times, it's super helpful to borrow some of that language and to begin to pray through it and with it. You might read a verse that says, like, the goodness of God provides for those that are both um, evil and kind or pure of heart or something like that. And you can use that as, as a catalyst for prayer, especially when you don't have to pray, or pray for a global conflict like Ukraine versus Russia. Like, what side should we be praying for and how should we be praying? You can pray for the goodness of God to rain down on everybody. See, sometimes when we don't know what to say, when we want to make it personal and not perform, we can borrow some of the language that's been gifted to us through scriptures or other means, drawing us deeper in our connection with God and helping us reject the concept of competition 
or performance. If we would choose to pray. If we would choose to pray. There's a third one. Jordan's going to put it up on the screen here in just a moment. Talked about words don't matter as much as our desire. We talked about prayer being personal, not a performance. The third idea and thought that I want to land with us is how prayer produces patience. Prayer produces patience. It helps us achieve what I'll call emotional stability. Prayer produces patience and emotional stability. Yesterday was a day that was filled with a lot of turbulence for me on an emotional capacity. I just was angsty. I was off. I was answering questions more harshly than I needed to. I was more quickly moved towards anger than what I normally am. And it dawned at me as I'm laying down at the end of my day, I'm trying to go to sleep. It was like, oh, maybe I should have prayed a little bit. Maybe I should have checked in with the creator to see if he had any insight as to what was going on. So as I did that, as I'm trying to fall asleep, I understood a few things that escaped me in the moment because I didn't pause to pray. For some of us, we have a tendency to want to rush forward through life. We want to quickly move on from one thing to the next. We want to bypass the challenge that we're in in the moment. We want it to be over now. But maybe the process that we find ourselves in is producing something in us that is going to be of absolute value, not only today, but for the days ahead. And we're reminded as when we pray, we can get that, that right-sized perspective of our place in the universe. Let me draw your attention again to how Jesus instructs his followers to pray. He says, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The only thing worthy of using the adjective holy is God. To be reminded that the holiness of God inspires and moves and stirs and leads us forward. What a great way to right-size where we might be in the moment from an emotional standpoint. It continues, verse 10, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right-sizing who's in control. Petitioning the creator of the universe to take his rightful place in all of creation. Asking for his will to be done as it is in heaven on earth. Inviting him into the challenging moment and situation that you find yourself in. I was reminded of that as I'm going to sleep. I had this emotionally volatile day. I'm reminded that, man, 
the king of the universe could help me regulate my own experiences. My own shortcomings. Allowing his will to be done in my life. Allowing his will to be done in your life. The problem is sometimes we want our will to be done, not God's. And that's where the breakdown happens. That's why it's so important to understand that prayer produces patience and emotional stability, even in challenging circumstances. Give us today the food we need. Frazell household, we shop once a week, setting us up for what the week ahead might look like for meals and supplies. But we went through a season and a moment in our life where this verse, number 11, stood out for us in a real practical way. We had two little newborn babies at home. I wasn't working at the time. And we needed daily provision. I tell you, when you're motivated to pray like that, you're motivated not only spiritually, but emotionally and physically in almost every way possible. And I can't help but think of, of the global conflict happening right now in the Ukraine and in Russia and how many people are praying this prayer daily. God, today, would you give us what we need, the protection, the actual literal food that we don't have consistent access to. And as they're praying, I can't help but think that they are growing in their patience, knowing that God is going to deliver at the right time. And we can learn from that and be inspired by it. And maybe even be an answer to the prayer that they are praying through how we choose to invest our own resources out of the little abundance that we might have in the moment. Partnering with Jesus and providing practical needs for the world around us. Verse 12, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I think sometimes we get stuck in the first part of that verse. Forgive us our sins. If we are forgiven, then we're good. But man, if you're asking us to give up a grudge that we have, that seems like a bridge too far. This is why it's important for us to understand that prayer produces patience. Because as we pray and as we connect with God, we understand that we ourselves are not only worthy of forgiveness, but those who have wronged us are also worthy of forgiveness. And when we embrace the forgiveness that we receive and extend that forgiveness that we've received, we refuse to become enslaved by bitterness. Enslaved by any sort of manipulation. This desire for them to pay for what they've done to us and can instead see them for who they are, broken just like us, scarred just like us, in need of a Savior just like us. The epitome of this expression for me is when you see Jesus 
hanging on a cross, having been ridiculed, spat on, mocked mercilessly, privately and in public. And he cries out to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I can't help but think that that's because he understood and had produced in him patience as he spent time with his father in prayer on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, in the most challenging of seasons and in the most triumphant of seasons. Understanding that even when he was enduring the greatest pain that he've ever, he's ever experienced in his life up until that point, that God is still good, that God is still holy, that God is still worthy, and that people who hurt us are still worthy of love by God and by us. And the prayer finishes. It says, and don't lead us into... Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. See, the reality is the world in which we live isn't easy to occupy at times. Temptation is around every corner. All we need to do is watch the news and we can read about another prolific Christian leader that gave in to temptation. Or we can watch our neighborhood and see previously well-functioned families that have decided to split up in this season, in this pandemic. We can see neighbors that used to be, you know, caring for one another, now build a larger fence and a greater divide and take turns allowing their dog to do the business on somebody else's lawn, trying to create pain where there was previously peace. Or we can look globally and see this escalating in a real practical way between Russians and Ukrainians. Being caught up in the war and the disagreement of a few. Temptation is all over the place. And I can't help but think that it becomes more and more inviting when we are missing patience. When we want so badly to push something forward and ahead, that we want it so badly to move from the space that we're in into something different, something new, even if that something different and something new happens to be good. We want to push ahead into a, a season of healing or beyond a season of healing, and we want to push, and we want to push, and we want to push. And before we know it, we're ensnared in a new expression of temptation that we didn't see coming. All because we weren't rooted in a patient, hopeful, expectant posture that in God's time and in God's way, the path forward will be made clear. See, when it comes to prayer, words, words aren't as important as our motivation and desire. Because prayer is personal, it's not a performance. And prayer it produces patience and emotional stability.
here today, we have the opportunity to pray. So as we begin to wind up our time here together, I am going to do just that, invite you to pray. I'm going to invite you to pray. You might be thinking, Jason, I don't know how to pray or what to pray for. Start with this. Ask the question, Jesus, is there anything in me that you want to talk to me about? You start right there. Make it personal. If you're like, no, me and Jesus, we're good. He hasn't, he hasn't said anything to me. Uh, what next? You pray for Ukraine. You can pray for Russia. You pray for the people that are involved, the leaders that are involved, but the people that are involved. The people that become victims of leadership decisions that are made. The challenges that they will face on a daily basis, some in a very practical manner of wondering where they're going to get their next meal from. Or wondering if they're going to wake up tomorrow. Wondering if their family in another part of the country is okay. You can pray. We can pray. Or maybe it's something that you don't know how to deal with. And that's the very thing that you can pray for. And ask God to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Prayer is a discipline. Something that we have to put into practice. It's a habit that we have to create. And even when we think that we've arrived and we've achieved and we've We've experienced the pinnacle of prayer. There's more for us to learn. There's more for us to grow into because it's personal and it's life-giving. And it's about spending time with someone instead of interacting with a genie in a bottle asking for our wishes to be granted. So may you be inspired today and throughout this the weeks and months and years ahead to pray. To pray. Knowing that there is more that God wants to do in you and through you as you pray. Would you join me as we pray? Father, in these next few moments, as we set aside time to pray, I recognize that there are some of us who don't know what that means or what that looks like. And so would you invite us into a posture of prayer by maybe just taking a moment of silence within ourselves and around us so that we can hear what you might have to say. For some of us, we might be thinking, man, I've never prayed in my entire life and this whole concept of talking to someone that I can't see seems ludicrous. So for those of us who are in that space, Jesus, I just ask that you would lovingly guide them forward in experiencing what prayer might be all about. Father, would you forgive us when we've allowed our words to be more performance-oriented than practical in nature? Would you forgive us when we've become so self-absorbed that we can't identify with mothers and fathers in countries like the Ukraine and Russia 
who are panicking because they can't provide or protect their loved ones. Would you forgive us for when we start our own wars in our own households, in our own church, in our own neighborhoods and communities, in our own workplaces, because we're unwilling to forgive? And instead, would you produce in each of us patience and a layer of an emotional stability like we've, unlike what we've experienced before? God, prayer reminds us that without you, there is no hope for today or tomorrow. So may you guide us into prayer in an ever-increasingly deepening fashion. We want more of you and less of us. So we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.